Welcome to another episode of Moms with Moms, Moms Offering Moms Support with Moms on Microphones. Today I have Danielle with me, and Danielle and I go back, oh gosh, more than 10 years. Uh, We went to high school together. She's a few years older than me, but we were in the high school play, and that's kind of how we know each other. And Danielle has a great Instagram story, and I've been watching her along. So she actually has done IVF once for her son now. So I wanted Danielle to come on and kind of talk a little bit about that. I'm very unfamiliar with IVF, and I know that a lot of moms out there have struggled or are considering IVF, and I thought it would be really helpful to hear firsthand from somebody in their experience. So Danielle, tell us three things that you think people really should know about you that don't know about you. Sure. So, well, first of all, thanks for having me on here. Of course. I'm excited. I always, I love to talk. So I always love to share um, and have people listen. So um, three things about me that people should know. Um, uh, Well, I guess a big thing about me is that I'm gay, um, which is fun because when we were in high school, uh, you didn't know me as gay. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) It's like a whole new day. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, Oh my God. Like aside from like my closest friends, like I don't know that I've really talked to somebody from high school that like in that knew me as straight. And now like Mm -hmm. I'm like a whole nother person, I feel like. So regardless, so I identify as a lesbian um, and I've been out for like, well, right after I graduated. So about 15 years now. And I would say being queer is a huge, huge part of my life. Um, and it's super, something that's super important to me is something that I'm really proud of. Um, and it's a big part of my work too. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of, kind of everywhere <laughs> for me. Um, I think being a therapist is something also that's super important to me and something for that w- would be interesting for folks to know too. Um, so as I said, being queer is important. I am a therapist that works primarily with um, queer and gender diverse folks. So three quarters of my caseload are LGBTQ in some way. Um, and they sought me out as a provider because I have an expertise in working with folks in this area um, and because I'm out and open about it myself. And so I think that like sort of makes people feel more comfortable. Well, absolutely. And I mean, I definitely do have some straight cisgender people on my caseload. I, every time I, they ask to work with me, I'm always like, this is interesting. Why do you, why do you want me? But, why me? <laughs> I know, but I roll with it. Usually people are like, well, you look really nice. And I'm like, that's true. I do look like a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> so I go with it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I always thought that you would end up being a teacher just because oh, yeah. it's like your personality and the way you carry yourself. I mean, not that the therapist is far off. I think it's a very in the similar realm, but I always pictured you being literally a kindergarten teacher. I know it's so funny. Like that's like everybody that I've like dated, like every, I'm like, I know, like I look, I look like, is this being visually recorded too or just audio? Recorded? I do have um, some Spotify listeners. So if we can like make it so they can picture it in their brain, but we do have visual. So yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I think whenever you know, people always mistake me as straight, which is fine. Like, I mean, I'm very, I'm very feminine. 
being feminine is super important to me. Um, it's a part of my identity and, but you know, so anytime I say like, Oh, my wife or whatever, people are like, what? Um, I mean, I've been dealing with that for 15 years. I'm sure I will continue to, cause I look the way I do. And I always say that like, I used to primarily work with kids and when they would find out that I was gay, it would just like buy me a little bit of street cred. Cause they were like, you just look like my auntie or something. And then I'm like, but I'm gay. And they were like, oh, okay, then you're cool. <laughs> you're like you're cool in our book now I, I know I'm like okay like I have a little bit of like struggle that they like the kids like or whatever but um, you're not a basic white girl you're cool no right I mean I am but for sure but with the added <laughs> spice I guess um, I think also a big piece of me is that I'm infertile um you know that is another thing that really um is a huge part of who I am. Like, I don't want to say it defines me. I don't think yeah. we should let any of our struggles define us, but you know, it certainly impacts me daily. Um, it will, it'll never not be something that I think about struggle with and paying for, <laughs> I don't know, you name it. Like, it's just the, and I could definitely like get into that more, but like the, the web I guess that it sort of like weaves is just very far-reaching so um and it will always kind of impact how I view the world unfortunately um but you know in good ways and bad ways I I think I'm very also big on like turning your your story or your mess into a message and so that is why I do a lot of the things that I do um Mm -hmm. to be able to spread awareness and educate folks because um, I don't know. I feel like I have a lot to say and I've been through a lot of stuff that maybe the average person hasn't. So, yeah. What was it like with your first journey? Benny is what, two? Dear Lord. So yeah, so he is two. We just turned two in October from starting to like track my ovulation and like try to figure out like, Hey, let's do this whole baby thing. Um, to like actually birthing him was, um, two years of try of yeah so it was like or actually maybe it was three three years dear lord I know so it took it took about two years to conceive him Mm -hmm. um and that you know way back before he was even like a thought in our heads um we just had absolutely no idea what the journey to having him was gonna look like um we knew going into um, starting a family that it was going to be a project. I mean, you know, so as much as like we're talking about my IVF journey and being infertile, it's really hard to sort of tease apart also being queer because it's so it's so intermingled um, in many yeah. ways. So I think my journey as a queer and fertile person is also going to be quite different from somebody who is straight. Um, we tried to, we tried to, cause I mean, another thing I was going to say, that's a big part of my identity is being millennial, a millennial. Like we are, we're broke. <laughs> like we're literally <laughs> two broke millennials with four degrees between us. Cause we both have our master's degrees. Like we, we were not rolling in it. And for queer people to have families, it is expensive. Like you just like know going into it that you're going to have to pay money because we can't like we know we can't just have sex to make a baby. We can certainly try, but it ain't gonna happen. So you know we knew that we were gonna have to 
money was going to be involved in somehow. And so, you know, that's a piece of it, but, but there's definitely cheaper ways that people try to conceive. So we did start actually by trying at home. Um, so that means just like, just like a straight person would like tracking my ovulation. Like, I mean, when I went and started the journey, like I was like, well, I don't even know if I ovulate regularly, to be honest, because who pays attention or who knows about that shit? So I was like, guess I should start peeing on sticks. And then like, I saw that my cycle was really regular. I mean, I knew like my period came regularly. So I was like, well, that's, that's a plus, you know, cause I definitely, yeah. I definitely had plenty of like friends who are, you know, their period would be who knows when it would come. Um, but I was like, no, nope. <laughs> yeah, I'm like 28 days, like clockwork, although not anymore. So I don't know, but <laughs> it, I was like, well, that's cool. And that's always a good sign. Um, I knew that my mom has, has been pregnant a bunch of times. She, you know, she had, she has me and my brother. She had um, a couple miscarriages, unfortunately. And then she also had to terminate some pregnancy or some, I think one pregnancy, but I knew um, like she always would make the joke, you know, men would just look at me and I get pregnant. So I'm like, all right, well, this shouldn't be too hard. Right. Like you got good genes. Yeah. I'm like, that's fine. Dawn's just like always pregnant. It's fine. For the record, Dawn is absolutely amazing. She is like that mom who is the cool mom. Like yeah, that Dawn is Dawn. Is, she's a character. And because you know me from high school, then you really know Dawn quite well because yeah. <laughs> she's just like, I mean, and she's still the same. Like there is no change there. She's just, she's still just Dawn, man. So, and that's what my mom would say to me. Like when I was like, okay, like we're thinking of like starting a family. My mom was like, oh, well, <laughs> she's like, talk to me in a month. Like, you know, and I was like, yeah, cool. Like, I don't know. Sure. Um, so we started actually trying at home with a known donor. So that was, um, a friend of mine from college. Um, and this is going to be like the wildest story you've probably ever heard. And you're listening. So I was like, do I say this or like, do I admit to this or do I not? But I'm going to admit to it. Cause you know what? This content for you. It's, well, not only that, but I feel like it's important because what if someone else is going through this, Danielle? And yeah, I'm, like, I know. I'm the only one who's doing this. So let's hear this. I'm like, ready. Is listen, queer people do some weird shit to get pregnant. I'm not going to lie. I did not have sex with anyone. Disclaimer, there was no intercourse. Was a turkey baster? Yes, but no, not yes. a turkey baster. <laughs> it's a syringe. <laughs> like a baby medicine syringe. But, But the weirder part was that there are these things that exist that are known donor sperm shipping kits. So literally my good friend, he lived in, we still lives in Tennessee. So he was overnighting us, his jizz, um, on, on ice packs, like packaged in. So there are like companies out there that have this, um, this like chemical that you like mix with the sperm and then you pack it with ice packs, you wrap it all up and you overnight it. And then you put it in you basically. And it's cool. allegedly, so people, it has definitely worked for folks, but I know like it is not a tried and true type of thing. Like we were like, we don't even know if the sperm is like alive when it gets to me by the time, you know, like it it's, it's a risk, even though the sperm can live like outside of the body for quite some time. I mean, it's pretty hardy. Um, but for all we knew we were, I was putting dead sperm inside me, but I, I don't know. So 
It would be like you're doing the journey. You didn't know. I, it would be like I would get a positive um OPK and then I'd be like, hey, like do your thing and ship it. And he would. And then we would inseminate me the next day. Um and yeah, I mean that was a wild journey, like walking around with your friends stuff inside you was definitely really weird. Um <laughs> <laughs> and getting it packaged in the mail like let's yeah. not neglect that that's also interesting you just open yep. it up and there's a thing of sperm with a ton of ice yep yep and it like it's just like <laughs> I don't even know it's it's even funnier too because him and I hooked up in college and like oh yeah I know this is a whole thing <laughs> but it's weird. like in college you didn't really want this near you I was like no <laughs> not at all that was not the time and no um and now it was like yep and in my I mean my wife was like totally cool with it she's like whatever like she had met him sex with him she really liked him as a human and we actually never had sex we just fooled around so <laughs> but um one time too that we flew down to him in Tennessee too I happened to be it was like a long weekend and I knew I'd be ovulating and so we planned that um to do a donation like in person and it was the same thing like using a syringe I did not have sex with him (laughs) Um, she did not go down to have sex with him that was not the plan guys (laughs) because actually is about the same success rate as as normal sex it's basically you're just putting sperm near the cervix which is exactly what happens when you have intercourse so I'm like this is also a science lesson (laughs) so now Um, you learn about IVF you're going to learn about the queer community and having babies. You're also going to have a science lesson on biology too. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. I've become intimately um, knowledgeable about sperm in just a way that I just never I didn't know was going to happen. No, no, never cared to know. Um, oh. That piece of it was just, was a lot. Um, and it just obviously wasn't working. I never saw a positive pregnancy test, test nothing. So finally, I was like, you know, it it could be user error. It could be something wrong with me. We don't know. But I was like, we tried to avoid the clinic, but it's it's not happening. So was it cheaper to do it that way, too? I'm assuming. Oh, God. Yeah. So um, using even just using a known donor in general is going to be cheaper because sperm is anywhere from like eight hundred and fifty to over a thousand dollars a vial. Yeah. So and that's like a try. So one try is like around a thousand dollars because it's also like the sperm is a certain amount of money and then the shipping is at least a hundred dollars because they literally ship it to you in a giant cryo tank for this tiny little vial that you then like thaw between your boobs it's a whole thing it's crazy and we did actually have we did have one vial of frozen donor sperm from a bank shipped to us i had to literally go pick it up at a fedex like this box that was like up to my waist because it was so big and i know people are looking at me like what the hell is that and i'm like you don't want to (laughs) know so it's like those it's like um what are they called the russian dolls where you open it up and it's just the smallest thing on the inside it really was and it was like all of that for this and then you have to like ship the tank back like it is a whole thing um just for a try and you know at this point i had had initial blood test blood work done and stuff like that and nothing was wrong all my vaccines are up to date so nothing you know thyroid panel done like nothing um glaringly obvious was wrong with me so my doctor was like 
yeah, I mean, have at it, do what you got to do. Like I was, I was like nervous to tell her, which was so weird, but like, I was nervous to tell her that we were going to be trying because I didn't want to be judged for what, how we were going to try. So that was, I don't know. That's like just something that. Did she know you were queer? Yeah. Um, and, and it was my own anxiety because as soon as I like told her, you know, she was like, yeah, I mean, she's like, if it's not working, let me know and we'll figure it out. Like there's, she's like, there's no reason that you need to pay thousands of dollars, like make your family the way you want to make your family. It's not my business kind of thing. And she's a doctor. Um, but it was just so frustrating, like all the planning and tracking and scheduling of sperm shipments and all this shit, like it just was so overwhelming. And finally it was like, all right, it's time. It's time to go to the clinic, yeah. um, which we were avoiding, but you know, I was like, maybe it's just the timing and maybe I just need like a couple IUIs and that'll be it. Um, and at this point we're just like wasting our time and sperm, whatever. So we had our first appointment with Boston IVF is the clinic that we went to. And they're actually kind of all over New England and they have a location in Albany too. We literally had our first appointment with Boston IVF on March 11th, 2020. So remember what happened on March 13th, 2020? The whole world shut down. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't that COVID? I'm thinking in like yeah. 2020, wasn't there something big in 2020? Yeah, man, the year, the year that the world stopped. And I knew, so that at that point that we had our first appointment, it was like, oh, there's like COVID's this thing that's happening. And there's this like big thing, like it was a big outbreak in like Italy and whatever. And um, people were taking it as a joke at that point because it's like, this is not that big of a deal. Or like it's over there, whatever. And I was just happy to have this appointment and she was just like, you know, we're going to have a full genetic testing and like all these panels done on you to make sure everything's okay. Because when I told her that my mom had had, um, repeat miscarriages and that my, my brother actually, and yeah, I don't know that you know this, or maybe I did say it to you via text, but my brother's autistic. Um, and oh I, yeah, I know. I knew that. I mean, he's very obviously autistic. Stick, love the kid to death. <laughs> Textbook. Um, my brother is, has Asperger's, so it was really like that's. I think that when we went to your house for one of the cast parties, he was so cute, and I kind of, I mean, I knew how to kind of talk to him. So yeah, no, I knew when I met him. I'm like, okay, I, I know now. Apparently, in giving this background to my doctor and telling her that my mom had repeat miscarriages, my brother's autistic, and she went through menopause early. Apparently that set off a bunch of red flags. So that was interesting. Um, And yeah, I was like, what do you mean? And so apparently there was concern that I had a genetic condition that was keeping me from getting pregnant called fragile syndrome. This is deeper than you even realized. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had to get genetic testing done to see that if I had fragile X syndrome. So it basically means I'm okay, but I would, I would be likely to pass on a like wonky X uh, chromosome. Wow. And if I were to have a boy, which I do, um, that he would be very likely to be autistic, um, which is just crazy. I mean, no one talks about this stuff. I was like, this is, I've never heard of such a thing. So I, apparently just, it's like those three things combined is like, yeah, this is, this is concerning. Um, which is kind of crazy to me because I feel like, I don't see how those are all related. No, 
to go to autism like that just to me it's just like yeah your brother is autistic but all three of them meaning like hey your your brother's gonna have this your son's gonna have this because your brother has this and your mom had this that to me is crazy I know and I'd never heard of such so I had started doing some like googling and such too just to be like you know I knew my mom had the miscarriages and I knew I always had the back of my head that um I knew she went through menopause early. Like I barely have any memory of my mom as like a menstruating human because she went through it so early. Like she really started around like 40 and was like fully done with like her cycle by like 45. Holy cow. Yeah. So I knew like, and that was the only thing was my mom was like, the only thing is if you are like me, you probably need to hurry up kind of thing. Um, And I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) I already got married at 28. Like, you know, People have babies older now. <laughs> well, my doctor was just sort of like, you know, there's really no reason why you can't get pregnant. It's probably just a timing thing. We're going to get you pregnant. You don't need to plan this anymore or track this. Like we're, we're going to figure it out kind of thing. So we just had to um, pick another donor and I started doing like prep for all the prep for just looking into my genetics and everything. But then also we were planning to do IUIs. Um, so the beautiful thing for us is in being in Massachusetts, we have fertility coverage here. It's mandated. Um, so I was like blessed to find out that we could have everything fully covered from the start, which was, is nuts. Cause in my mind, it was like, great. Like, (laughs) I don't know where we're going to scrape together all this money. Um, sperm, however, is not covered. So that's still (laughs) thousand dollars every time. That makes no sense because don't you need sperm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's crazy. Um, and the other thing too that's like really frustrating is the piece of it that I struggle with that I barely even think about now because I actually am infertile. But when I went, when I went, started all of this, uh, started in it with the mindset that like. I'm a fertile person. I'm just gay. And I don't, I have just, you know, absence of sperm is sort of what they, uh, what they like consider it, but that's like not considered infertile, which is like, good. I didn't like that label, but however, if you are deemed infertile, then you get shit paid for. (laughs) So it's like this weird, like catch 22 where you don't want to be punishing you for being queer. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Tell everybody. I literally like, tell the shit at like parties and fires and people are like this is insane i'm like you're welcome to my life because <laughs> you're queer you don't have a male who has an issue with a sperm so yeah. it's absence of sperm not issue with sperm so you don't get shit covered for the sperm part yeah so typically i did get my iuis covered right off the bat which is really interesting because i think in any I think I just randomly really had really good health insurance too, because usually that still isn't covered. Like you have to um, qualify as infertile to be for this stuff to be covered. Um, I think I just had really bomb like blue cross blue shield insurance. I don't know, which is crazy because I worked for the worst mental health agency ever, but man, I stayed with them literally for their health insurance because their benefits were so good. Yeah. Um, and mind you, like as much as, the genetic testing was covered and like monitoring and things like that. And the procedure is like, again, it's still a thousand dollars a try for the sperm. Plus, you know, 
co-pays, my deductible needing to be met, which was $1,500 at the time, which sounds so cheap to me now. I hate adulting. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's a trap. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, it was on the cheaper side of things, but still not cheap, mind you. Um, mm. But I just went into it being so relieved that somebody else was going to get me pregnant and it wasn't me trying to get me pregnant because I really felt like I was very quickly turning into like a science experiment. It's not like it's fun, you know, straight people get to have sex. Um, that's not the case for me. And no. and no, like that being said, I know there's plenty of straight couples that have a hard time getting pregnant. And I also know that like sex to make a baby is definitely not the same as just having fun. I got that. Um, however, I don't have that chance even to start with, you know what no. I mean? it's already going to be medical medicalized, um, no matter what we do. So, but I was like, whatever the world shut down (laughs) because of COVID when we left our first consult, I went to go shake my doctor's hand and she was like, Oh, we're not shaking hands. And I was like, something's going on. Like I literally, we walked out of there and I said, my wife, I was like, they know something we don't. And like, sure enough, two days later, the world shut down and like, no one's touching and like, no one's, you know, going near each other. And I was, it was the craziest thing. And I was just absolutely devastated because I was so hopeful. And then two days later, it was like, we're calling off all treatment. They put it everything on pause because everything shut down. So infertility is considered, unless I was in the middle of a treatment cycle, fertility is considered, um, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Not like it wasn't like a necessary essential. Yeah. Like it wasn't like an essential like form of medicine. So they it was like considered like kind of like akin to like plastic surgery or something. Like it wasn't how old were you at this point? So I was twenty-nine. Okay. Um, I was turning thirty that year. Okay. So it was like just a few months shy of my thirtieth birthday. And I'm thirty-three now. Thirty-three and a half. So this has been a long time. <laughs> um So it wasn't until they didn't resume treatment again until like June. So I got back in there a few months later. I called and I was like, so things are starting to open up again. Are you guys offering treatment again? And they were like, yeah. So that was when things really got going. Um, Through genetic testing, I found out that nothing was wrong with me. So that was really cool because there was this kind of like big scary thing on there. Um, However, if I had the fragile X syndrome, I would have gotten expedited straight to IVF and had it covered. So I, there was a part of me that almost wanted it because I would have had everything covered, which is another like, this is like, I don't know, like if you have the right things, you get shit paid for. So you almost want to have problems because not having a known problem, like they're like, oh, sorry would have immediately had genetic testing of my embryos covered so many things that I don't have coverage for even now um to this day because there's nothing really officially wrong with me so <laughs> so we did IUIs um I did two natural IUIs so my cycle was still very regular my hormones were great everything looked good um but we did find out in my initial testing that I have a so at the time it was low AMH and um, borderline diminished ovarian reserve. So as I expected, I had a, I have a much lower egg count than somebody my oh. age. 
Um, and AMH is another, is like a hormone that is like, is indicative of what your egg count is. So it's not good um, to have low AMH and a low egg count, but it doesn't mean, it shouldn't mean that I can't get pregnant. Um, it just means like I had thought the timeline is a lot shorter. Uh, it doesn't say anything about the quality of your eggs or anything like that. So, um, or like lead to miscarriage or anything like that. It's just, I don't have a lot of eggs. I don't have a lot of chances. Um, but I do ovulate regularly. So I am dropping an egg every cycle, like, you know, um, which is all the things you need to make a baby. So my doctor was sort of like, there's no reason why IUI shouldn't work. So we did IUIs. We use my natural cycle. So I just would go in for monitoring for blood, blood work and ultrasound. Um, and they would just monitor the rise of my hormones, um, monitor with a transvaginal ultrasound to watch the follicle growing and see like which ovary it's coming from, whatever. Again, all things I didn't know uh, was a thing. <laughs> um <laughs> I did have two other tests too done. I had a H- HSG, which is where they checked to make sure that my, my fallopian tubes weren't blocked, which they weren't. Um, and then I had a saline sonohistogram, which is where they shoot water up the saline up there and check for polyps or anything that could be obstructing in any way. Sometimes people find out they have a septum in their uterus or something crazy like that. Nope, nothing. Everything looks great. Beautiful. Still don't really know why you're not getting pregnant. So the natural IUIs, nothing happened. Um, so then I ended up doing three more IUIs. So I did five. So mind you, that's like five grand right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, that's got to be a lot of money. And we had used one sperm donor for two and then he was sold out of sperm. So we had to switch to a different donor. <laughs> for three and four and then we needed a different one for number five I also was on Clomid for three of the IUIs which made me drop two eggs at a time and I still wasn't getting pregnant and so finally I was supposed to do six IUIs in order to get qualified for IVF um but my doctor was like nope like this is ridiculous you need to just do IVF like we're just flushing sperm down the toilet and I'm like thank you like somebody said it (laughs) Um, so she was able to, she just applied for IVF and got it approved. Um, they didn't even question it. So that was amazing because she was like ready to fight them. Um, but they didn't even care. Um, so yeah, I stuck with the same donor going into IVF because my final IUI with a donor whose name is Asher, it's his nickname, not his real name. Um, he had really great numbers. They were like, this is good shit. I was like, good. It was expensive. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so we bought two more of his of vials of him going into IVF um and my doctor kind of like warned me going into IVF like she was like um you know you I'm gonna have to put you on aggressive medication because you don't make a lot of eggs and like it's not gonna be great <laughs> like there's potentially gonna be side effects and you're just I essentially was like, don't compare yourself to the average IVF patient because you're going to get significantly less eggs, Um, which definitely was the case. So it was around December, 2020 that I had my first round of IVF and um, it sucked. Like I had to do everything alone because of COVID. Um, So 
I had to go into surgery alone, wake up alone. Like it, it was, it sucked. I literally woke up from my egg retrieval because you get knocked out. Um, and it's honestly a little like, I don't know, this is like trigger warning ish for, for folks who this is, could be upsetting for, um, it is very, um, uh, I don't know. You feel like very like handmaid's tale esque or something like, like, uh, where you, the surgery center that you go for like egg retrieval, at least for my clinic, like it's literally just like women lined up in gowns and caps to like go get their eggs sucked out of them. And like, it's just a little horrifying. (laughs) So it's not really like comforting, like a comforting setting, which you think. And we were alone. All of us were alone that day. You know, it's like, all I can think of is, is how none of us had a comfort person there apart to like hold our hand, tell us it was going to be okay or whatever. I mean, it'd been over a decade. So I was scared shitless, but I had to do it alone because of COVID. (laughs) Um, And when I came out of surgery, I apparently said, tell my wife I'm alive. (laughs) Slightly dramatic. (laughs) Just a little bit. You know, but I was fine. I handle anesthesia while I just wanted to go home. Um, And they did get seven eggs from me, which is really good for somebody with my diagnosis but like the average person usually probably gets around like 12 plus um I like I have a friend who literally got like 30 something eggs just for perspective (laughs) yeah so like shit just continues to get worse as you get older (laughs) which you know was exactly what I was told was like you're running out of time essentially so everyone that kept telling me, but you're so young, you're so young. It's fine. I'm like, yes, chronologically I am young, but my biological clock, yeah, we all talk about like my biological clock thinks I'm 40. So I'm not, you know, um, so with my first round of IVF, I got the seven eggs, um, six of which were mature, um, and able to be fertilized, which is like an amazing fertilization rate. So that goes to show that my egg quality is pretty good. Um, cause a lot of times it's like, yeah, you get 30 eggs, but maybe only 20 yeah. of them will fertilize. Um, okay. and you kind of, the stats kind of drop off as you go. So as the time went on, they told me by the end of it, I had, I got four embryos from the seven eggs, which also is like unheard of. Uh, my doctor was like thinking maybe like two. <laughs> so, um, my first transfer, um, I did get pregnant, which was wild. I had never seen a positive pregnancy test in two years. Uh, and I was like, holy shit. And I was so excited. Um, but I ended up having a chemical um, which I didn't even know what that was until, uh, it happened to me. So, you know, it was just so much joy and excitement. And then, you know, quickly I went in for my, my beta and they want it to be a hundred or above and mine was 25. So they were like, well, you're pregnant, but it, it doesn't look good. Um, and you know, they're like, we've, we've seen miracles, um, we want it to double because you go in every two days and, but they were like, 
you know, guard your heart essentially. And sure enough, when I went into Islander, it was down to 13 or something. So, um, and I watched because I'm a crazy, uh, tester. So I watched the lines get, get, uh, fade on my pregnancy. So I knew, and then I got the call that like, no, like you, this is a chemical pregnancy. Like, I'm sorry. And I was a wreck. And I was just like, what if this happens with every single one? Like, you know, well, Um, at this point it's been two years. So it's like, yeah, being let down I'm like nothing works really like is is where I what I thought um and then uh you know went right back in for a second transfer um two months later I watched I guess because my first one was in January 2021 and then Benny was March 5th 2021 like (laughs) that's another thing like being an IVF person and an infertility person like the dates are like burned (laughs) (laughs) um and so, yeah, with my son. So he was the second, my second transfer. And I literally peed on a stick and I got in the shower. I didn't even like, I was like, whatever, <laughs> like, I'm just getting in the shower, like whatever. And I knew it was going to be positive. I literally was like, I'm sure that this is positive, but like, we'll see what happens. Like, I just don't trust it at this point, you know? Yeah. And sure enough, I got out of the shower and it was positive. And I was like, we'll see. Like, I still kind of was like, I don't know. Like, I've, I've, now I don't, I don't trust my body. I don't trust this yeah. stick. Like, I don't know. Um, but he kept getting darker and took a digital eventually and it said pregnant. And I was like, holy shit. Like, there is no way it's happening. Yeah. So, um, in, in the beginning, you know, you go in for a really early ultrasound, seven weeks, three days, I went in and, again the little shit gave me a scare because he was measuring a week behind and his heart rate was low and so they literally were like it could be fine or it could be impending demise fetal demise is what they said and I was like awesome (laughs) so I was a fucking wreck again for a week they had to wait a week to go back and then we went back in a week later and as soon as she like put the ultrasound in and he goes whoa was that the baby because he was huge suddenly on the screen and everything was fine so I don't know if it was just a mismeasure or what happened yeah then I was just like pregnant it was crazy and nuts and amazing yeah I was just like so you better believe I took bump picks every week I every milestone I was celebrating but you know not until probably around like 15 ish weeks, like my anxiety was still through the roof because I was like, okay, now I'm pregnant, but now I need to stay pregnant. Like, you know, it was just, my anxiety quickly shifted to, well, what if I lose this baby? And then I'm not, I'm just not even going to make it. (laughs) Um, but he was fine. It was, he was fine the whole way. I had a very unremarkable pregnancy. Um, thank God. I literally didn't even have morning sickness. So I literally feel like, I know, <laughs> go ahead, hate me. I know. <laughs> I didn't until the end. But I, the end was horrible. So the ending was horrible for me too. Um, I feel like the universe did bless me because I literally had like two days where I was nauseous and then I was totally fine. But that. My third trimester, though, I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Um, so that was a bitch. Suddenly, I was dieting during my pregnancy. That was terrible. And all I want to do is, like, eat ice cream, and I can't. <laughs> it was awful. I was a wreck. 
Um, but honestly, worse than the um, gestational diabetes was I had pups. I don't know if you know what that is. I've heard about it. Yes. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, pure, hold on, puritic or puritic urticarial. Oh my god, puritic urticarial papules and plaques of pregnancy. Sounds like puritic, puritic, puritic. I don't know. It's a tough word. Um, it is. So essentially, it's like it happens more with boys, uh, males. And it it's essentially like your body is like allergic to the baby. Um, and so I just had a full body rash and hot and not rash is actually putting it lightly. It was welt sized hives all over my body. <laughs> it was hideous. So hideous. <laughs> and not only hideous, but like itchy. The itching was just so bad. Like it's like you're already uncomfortable, nothing fits, you're you're huge, you like can't reach your you feet. Can't eat what you want now. Yeah, couldn't eat what I wanted. And Ouch. I had a lot of swelling. My ankles and feet were just so huge, my calves, and then I itched everywhere. And it was just awful. Like, and then you itch and itch and itch, and then you have like sores, and then you like pick that. It's it's I still have scars on my body from this goddamn rash. Um, but I was like, whatever. I've wanted this. I've wanted this for so long. Um, and then, you know, then the kicker was, which I feel like, you know, he was born five weeks premature. So um, they had actually been planning to induce me because literally because they were like, you're so miserable. I was like, it's fine. I'm fine. And they were I'm like, guys, you don't understand. I want this. this. Yeah. And they're like, no like between the full body rash and the diabetes like we can just evict the baby it is fine so they were actually planning to induce me around 39 weeks but it didn't matter because my water broke at 34 weeks six days so you must have been shitting your pants at that point because oh, like, what the hell oh, i was shitting my pants um, i said i've been researching this shit for years <laughs> i wanted to be a mom so badly you know and so i you know Every influencer you can think of, I followed and did everything they said. We're going to buy this. I'm going to buy this. Exactly. We're gonna- and I should you not, I literally folded like the last onesie and put it in the dresser and I stood up and my water broke. And I was like, uh, <laughs> like, and it was like a scene from a movie. I was like, Annie, I think my water's broke. And she was like, no, you probably just peed yourself. Like that's literally what she said to me. And I make fun of her to this day. And I'm like, Unless I'm still peeing myself, I don't think it was pee. <laughs> and my labor was pretty decently traumatic. But I was able to have him vaginally, which is amazing and often not what happens when you're induced to. Um, yeah. I was begging them for a C-section because I uh, am a baby and <laughs> I was scared shitless. And I was like, you know, honestly, if you would just knock me out, I'd be cool with that too. I'd be fine. Just take him out of me. I don't even care yeah, how he comes out. Just I'm take done. him out. I'm just done. Um, and I'm not that person who's like, birth is so beautiful. I'm like, nope, I don't want to, like, just get him out. I don't want to throw up. I don't want to, nothing. Like, <laughs> I don't do well with that stuff. So, um, and I was scared. I was really scared about labor and delivery. Like, I just, oh. I don't know. No, you don't know until you do it. Like, what the hell it's like. So, but I still, at the back of everything and the core of everything was like, this is what all that I've ever wanted. So I don't even care. I don't care. Um, I can do it. I can do anything, you know. 
and we kind of said like after we had Benny um that you know this is going to be the year of just just him like I was like I don't want to talk about fertility treatments I don't want to talk about we knew we've always said we wanted two kids but I was like I don't even want to go there like I just want to enjoy being a mom enjoy my kid you know and then come like 2023 we'll start talking about it um what if we just have one kid like I feel like society tells you that babies need siblings and our kids need siblings and only kids are weird and like you know just so many narratives around that and my wife is one of five so um I mean I have a brother but he's 10 years younger than me so like birth order wise we really were kind of raised like only children um so I I'm not like in the camp of like everyone needs siblings um so and we were just like, he, he's just so perfect. Like we just really hit the lottery with this kid. Like he's just so smart and personality for days and sleeps through the night and is a great eater and like listens. And I don't even know, like, he's just, he's perfect. He's just perfect. <laughs> and so we were like, the blessed you. yeah, yeah. I'm like, I think like, what if like, what if we were rocking the boat is sort of what I was worried. Like, like, what if, you know, everyone always says like, like the, if, if you had your second child first, they'd be an only child or like, you know, they're breaking the mold or they're the test or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to be tested or challenged. (laughs) You've already been tested and challenged enough. Come on now. You have to go through more shit. Exactly. And I also was kind of like, do I want to do this all again? Like, it's not like, let's have another baby. Let's go do it. It's like, let's have another baby. Let's call Boston IVF and schedule a console and pay hundreds of dollars. <laughs> like, it's not, you know. Well, not only that, but like, it, you're kind of like reliving the trauma all over again. Yeah. And I went through a lot of that. I mean, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm in therapy. I've been in therapy uh, since I started all of my fertility journey stuff actually. Um, so definitely a huge proponent of therapy also a therapist. So like I'm biased, but like, you kind of have to, <laughs> but I really did go back into therapy because of the fertility stuff. Cause it was just, um, the emotional roller coaster of it was just something that I really had no, no idea was going to be so intense. Um, no one, I don't think anyone could possibly equip you with this. There's just no way like, and nobody goes into trying to start a family thinking they're going to have these problems either. So it really is also like blind, it blinds I do really. Um, and you know, my, my wife is so supportive. Like, I, I mean, I think both of us would have a ton of kids if we could afford it and if it was <clears throat> possible, but she's just kind of like, you know, it's you, it's your body. Like, I can't tell you what you are comfortable with and not comfortable with like if we just have Benny like I'm happy like like you know I want another kid but it's not that simple for us and she doesn't want to carry um which is totally fine because honestly like I I don't want her to carry like I would not only would it like 
gender wise not make sense for her because she's incredibly masculine and she identifies as non-binary so it would just be like a mind f i think for her and for me um i also would literally be incredibly like jealous like i'm still to this day jealous of anyone who's pregnant and if my wife was pregnant i literally would spend her entire pregnancy being like well i wish it was me (laughs) like i feel compelled to be the one who carries the babies i always have um, I loved being pregnant, even though it was like insane at the end there. Um, I loved it. And I loved every second of it. I'd do it over again. I'd do it. I'd be a surrogate. I don't care. I love being pregnant. I'm crazy. Call me crazy. <laughs> you know, she is older than me too. So realistically, we don't entirely know how her eggs would be even too. Um, and, you know, so many people are like, well, what if you used her eggs? Um, but so that would be considered reciprocal IVF, yeah. um, but that is completely out of pocket. So because that is, she would be almost she would almost be considered a, an egg donor, even though she's my wife, um, and that's not covered by insurance. So a lot of stuff could be like testing and um, some of the meds and stuff like that, but um, for the most part, it would be out of pocket. And we really cannot afford that. There's just no way. Who going to do another round? And I was, I really had sat for the longest time. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing it. F- that. No, like I cannot afford it. I don't have the bandwidth. Um, you guys come back next week for the rest of this episode. Danielle shared a lot of her IVF journey as a queer mom. So there's so much to take in this. If you guys liked this episode and want to see more, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. If you guys have any comments or questions for Danielle, hit the comments below and I will direct them straight to Danielle. So that way she can kind of help you guys in your journey and your experience. If you guys want to see daily reels or get some interesting facts, follow my Instagram, also my Facebook. I am no longer banned from TikTok only because I made a new TikTok. So here's my TikTok page for all of the fun videos that I wanted to post and now can vote. So please turn back in next week for the rest of her um, journey. Bye besties.